On today's episode of the Trial Run Podcast, college football season is officially over and we hate to see it. The National Football League playoff race is in full swing right now. Major League Baseball is going through a heck of a time and the NCAA men's basketball season is going absolutely brazy and is setting up for a wild end of the year tournament. All that and more on this episode of the Trial Run Podcast. Let's go. That's too much stuff. That's too much stuff. Semester two, back, better than ever. This is the long-awaited start again of the Trial Run podcast here at the beautiful Central Michigan University, and we could not have asked for a more beautiful day outside right now. Oh yeah, gorgeous, gorgeous. Um, not it's, not, just, it's eleven o'clock at night. Not the time of day that is usual, but. That's neither here nor there. It is 11 o'clock at night, and we have so many things that we have missed, so many things that we need to talk about from the time that we had on our long, 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 month-long break, actually. And uh, tons of sports things happening, tons of things that everybody has seen that we need to get to. And I want to start in our favorite landscape in all of sports, and that's college football, which has now officially concluded, and we hate to see it. We really do hate to see it. Over that long break, I'd just like to mention that I know multiple people have expressed their their uh, concerns about the the podcast and you know where we were. You don't don't you worry. We were perfecting our craft that whole time, and now here we are back and better than ever. So it, it's great to great to really see it kick off again. It'll be great to see some people listen to it actually, which would be fantastic. Hey, we, we get we get tens of listeners. I tens. I'd hopefully we, we'd love to see tens of listeners consistently. Yes, that would be fantastic, a, an unbelievable improvement. Yes, but we saw college football national championship was officially ra- wrapped up. We saw everybody's sweetheart, the Louisiana State Tigers, go Tigers, go Tigers. The Ed Orgeron led, Joe Burrow led, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson led. LSU Tigers take down the Clemson Tigers in the national championship game. And it was really, they were a runaway train the entire season. LSU, I want to get your initial thoughts on everything that happened throughout their season and what we just saw on the college football landscape as a whole for the entire season. Well, Joe Burrow, that man, absolutely unbelievable. Dude threw 12 touchdown passes in the playoffs alone, and he ends the season with the most throwing touchdowns in a single season, most touchdowns responsible for in a single season, and second-best completion percentage for a single season all time. That is ridiculous. I mean, I'm going to pose this question to you. Is this the greatest single season we've ever seen from one player? Oh, I think it is. I I don't think that's in question at all. I think in terms of what he did on the field individually and then what they accomplished as a team – they ran through the SEC. They had a few close calls. The Auburn game was relatively close. The, the Alabama game was relatively close. The Texas game stayed close for most of the game. But outside of that, they were a runaway train that did not look like they were going to be stopped. And when they set their mind to something, that Texas A&M game, people are going to brush off the way they played in that Texas A&M game because of the fact that you know Texas A&M was 7-5 and and all this. They played a very tough schedule. Um, but Louisiana State, they completely took it to them, and they set their mind to a goal – Everybody saw the seven-overtime game or whatever it was last year, and I think that was a microcosm of everything that they wanted to accomplish as a team because they took the absolute beat down to Texas A&M, and we saw that pretty much throughout the entire season. So to go back to your question, I think absolutely this might be the single greatest season of all time from an individual player in Joe Burrow, but also I think also that LSU needs to be up there in terms of the greatest 
single team of all time and the greatest single season performance from a single team um, that we've ever seen. No question. And a lot of people um, bring up the complaint of recency bias. They think, you know, this is, you know, obviously the most yeah, that's recent probably, season. Yeah, that's probably true. It is to an extent. However, a lot of people's favorite for greatest single season of all time is Cam Newton. They argue that even though he didn't have quite the same numbers as Joe Burrow, uh, he was working with a lot less talent because um, not, not a single other player on that Auburn offense from that year uh, made it to the NFL, or at least is still in the NFL. Um, but if you look at the the strength that this this goes to point for the greatest single season as an individual player and as a team, if you look at who LSU played throughout this season, their schedule is a gauntlet. Is it's un- an absolute it gauntlet. is it is the greatest undefeated season I have ever seen. They played seven seven top ten teams this year final top 10 teams and they played all four of the preseason top four teams and they went undefeated that is remarkable that is NCAA 14 type numbers right there and we see everybody kind of points at the Texas A&M schedule as the toughest schedule in all the college football landscape but what they don't understand is that they went seven and five in that schedule which honestly if you look at the numbers and the teams that they played is pretty acceptable you look at LSU went down the stretch and played a team like Oklahoma and then a team like Clemson in the national championship. So they played essentially, I'll say a little bit of a, to a lesser degree, they played essentially the hardest schedule in the country in the regular season and then still had to go take care of business against Georgia, yep. against Oklahoma, and against Clemson, and they did it and they, they passed all the tests with, with flying colors. Right. Yeah, they didn't just pass the tests. I think, let, let me count them off, I th- Clemson was a close game. Um, was it, though? I never felt like that game was in, in doubt in the second half. Yeah, honestly, that's fair. I, I don't. You could, I didn't. You could make an argument that the only close games was Alabama. That was pretty close. Uh, Florida was relatively close. The Auburn game the was close. The Auburn game was close. Those three, and then other than that, I mean, Georgia was Texas pretty, hung around for a bit. For That's true. That's That was, yeah. If you're going to okay. argue the Clemson game was close, I would probably argue the Texas game yeah, also. Yeah, let's take out Clemson. Let's put in Texas. And that's, you know, early in the season, still working out the kinks of a brand new offense, by the way. So really, yeah, you're looking at Texas. You're looking at Auburn and Florida. The Georgia game, who's a Georgia's a great team. Playing for an SEC championship, that game was not close. That was a manhandling, an absolute manhandling. Oklahoma obviously was not even remotely close because Joe Burrow decided to, you know, be a god in that game. And then, yeah, Clemson, to your your point, really, it was in hand most of the game. Yeah, and I I also wanted to bring up the the Joe Burrow-Trevor Lawrence comparisons because that was the big storyline going into the game. Trevor Lawrence is probably going to be a first – not probably, he will be a first-round draft pick – next after next season and Joe Burrow is certainly looking like the number one overall draft pick that'll be playing in Cincinnati next year and from what I saw and from what the general consensus is Joe Burrow thoroughly thoroughly outplayed Trevor Lawrence in pretty much every facet of the game I think Trevor Lawrence had something like double digit overthrows yep, he did didn't he play his great best game did not play nearly at the level that we need him to and we've come to expect from Trevor Lawrence considering how much of a winner he is no kidding but Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow looked like he was a different caliber of quarterback at that level. And on top of playing at a different level, mentally he seems to be, he seems to have the it factor. He seems to have that 
level that he can go to in the big time games, in the big moments. And he certainly went to it. Did he started off rocky? I'll say that it started off rocky, but he took it to a astronomical level when they needed it most. And this is kind of a point that I've ragged on a couple times uh, throughout our time here on the Try Run podcast. A lot of people, particularly NFL scouts, are looking more at the you know the the quarterbacks in ta- or the the tangibles of the quarterback. You know the, their physical stature how they present themselves. Yeah, Trevor, Joe Burrow's not going to jump off the page right, in that regard. Trevor Lawrence is far and away, if you're looking at that, he he is the the, 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 pr- the prototype. Yeah. Right, he is like, he's that Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen type guy. Uh, and, and if from that standpoint, absolutely, Trevor Lawrence is your man. But Joe Burrow just has these intangibles, and it's not always going to work out. It's not going to work out with these guys all the time. But I would rather have a guy who's smart, knows what he's doing, is careful with the ball, and, and as a very talented player, like obviously he's very talented. I, I, for me, if it was between Trevor and Joe in the draft, I'd pick Joe 10 times out of 10. No question. It's so funny because we're talking about the it factor and what we see and everything that we see. And I'm promising you right now, if Joe Burrow turns out to be a bust, we're going to look back on this and say, what What are we saying? I mean, because we're all saying, you know, we're, like everybody has an opinion on everybody. And... You see Joe we Burrow, really don't know. I mean, and he looks and he looks fantastic. And then he's gonna go, and if he lays an egg, it's gonna be like, well, you know, he didn't have the intangibles, and he didn't have the things that you need in a quarterback. So you know, I I, I love Joe Burrow, and I do think he will be a resounding success in the NFL. But it does it does make me laugh every single time I hear somebody say he has it. He right. has the, the factor that you just can't explain because there's a reason you can't explain it because you know what I'm saying. Like there's something outside of our of our consciousness that you can't quite grasp. So right. I, I just like to point that out every once in a while. Right, you no, know, because, I mean, you're going to always have those Tom Brady's that completely fr- fly under the radar and then are elite, but then you're also, on the other hand, going to have those Ryan Leafs, those Jamarcus Russells who are, you know, touted as the greatest. And we really don't know. You don't know what's going to go on in the minds of those players when you actually get into – the NFL. It's just a whole different breed in the NFL. Yeah, nothing nothing in the case of Jamarcus Russell was going through his head. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, that's, you know, that's exactly exactly the, the example that I wanted to pose. So, yeah, greatest quarterback, perhaps the greatest season of all time, and pr- certainly the greatest post, post-game antics of all time that we've seen. Yeah, that was quite an event. That was almost as exciting the event. game as so. That was quite an event, and that has given us just days upon days of content following following the conclusion of that game. From two different angles, really, because there was the controversy, but then obviously there was that that first part. Yeah, what is OBJ? What, what is his situation here? Like, what, what is his what is his functionality in that locker room? Like, I want to know. Is he just a – is he supposed to be, like, a brand ambassador for LSU? Is that why he's there? Because he did a bang-up job of that. He got him all sorts of publicity. That, I mean, that's kind of, I think, the idea. I, I, I'm assuming that he had been talking with LSU personnel before the game and was – allowed to come into the locker room if he wasn't then we have a whole different problem on our hands uh but yeah no certainly but slapping the officer on the butt right, giving slapping gi- money to players giving giving players money it's just like although i do have to ask though is that even a violation because i think all the players that he gave money to are now going are now out of college because they're going to the nfl did he give money to jamar chase he did and he's leaving i think i don't think jamar chase can leave i think he's an underclassman is he really i don't think he can leave all right, we'll have our fact-checkers get on that. The NCAA is going to crack down in a big way because that is just not going to fly. I, I mean, that is not going to fly. The NCAA, for how ridiculous they have been on this rule for so long, 
it, they don't crack down hard on LSU for somebody blatantly walking into the locker room and handing players money on national television. No kidding. Like, the, how, how are they going to respond to that? Because I need to know. Like that's, yeah, he was a sophomore. That's so. unbelievable. Jamar Chase will be back. So that is going to be – that's a major issue. Justin Jefferson should be fine. Joe Burrow's obviously fine. Yep. But, I mean, that is – and there was rumors flying around that he was handing out fake bills, which is a complete lie. Right, no. And Joe Burrow comes out on national television in his postgame presser and says, no, those were real. No, yeah. those are absolutely real. Which is completely – that's so funny to me. I will say, though, the, the arrest warrant for slapping the police on the, on the butt, that, yeah, that okay. seems a little extreme. The, the, the police like, officers, let, let's okay, settle down, boomer, dude. Like, let's settle down, dude. Like, come on. This is the national championship celebration. Let's use a little bit of discretion here. I don't know. What, what was the cop doing in the locker room in the first place? Like, I think he, he was going in there to tell them, hey, you can't smoke, which technically the rule is you cannot smoke in the, in the Superdome. Speaking of smoking, that is the other area of this of these post-game antics, and that's the part that was cool to me. That picture of Joe Burrow sitting on the couch with his big dick Joe hat and him, oh my God. him strolling down the hallway. There's been multiple videos. Like We posted one earlier. Who is getting these videos? I want to know the video of him walking out on senior night, the video yep, of him walking yep. down the hallway with a cigar, the video of him sitting there with the big dick Joe hat. I want to know who is getting these videos because they need to get a raise of some no kind. Kidding. They need to be compensated properly because this is – this is getting to the point where I think this is elevating Joe Burrow's excellence and his greatness and his clout because all of these videos are picturesque and just the perfect thing. The, the videos that everybody wants to see in every big moment, we're getting all of those for Joe Burrow. And then uh, Coach O saying, go easy on the cigar. That hey, was, go easy on the cigar, boy. <laughs> I, honestly, it was just a picture-perfect night. It, and in that aspect, and then you have the, the flip side of it, obviously, with OBJ and all these antics. Yeah. Hopefully it kind of just fades, but knowing the NCAA, there's no chance this, this goes unpunished. Yeah, that being said, LSU eight wins next year. Yeah. No, eight I, wins. I can totally see that. They lost basically everything. So, yeah, so there's that. Take that as you will. So enjoy it now, Coach O. I love you, but eight wins next year. Yeah, not many go Tigers. Yeah. Bowl game wrap-up, we talked a lot about the national championship, but lots of bowl games, lots of good bowl games. To be honest with you, a little bit underwhelmed by the New Year's Six this year. Yeah, not sending its best, I guess. The Penn State-Memphis game was, I mean, it got Rose a bit Bowl out of hand. Rose Bowl was good. The Rose Bowl was very, the Rose Bowl was very good. Oregon-Wisconsin, I hate to see it end on a, on a bad call, yeah. on an offensive pass interference that essentially ended the game for Wisconsin. But... Outside of that, the Sugar Bowl. Sugar Bowl sucked. Sugar Bowl I turned was it off terrible. at halftime. Was... Sugar Bowl was terrible. Baylor and Georgia. Georgia pretty much handled them. The stands were like half full. Um, Penn State handled Memphis. Yeah. What else am I missing? Orange Bowl. I couldn't even. Oh, Florida, Virginia. That actually was Florida, a good Virginia game was an okay second. game, but I, by the end it was in hand. I, I pretty much felt like Florida had it in hand. Near six, not sending their best, but. I mean, football. that matchup, like, I understand that there's, like, formulas that go into who plays in certain bowl games, but Florida-Virginia, like, are you kidding me, people? I was pleasantly surprised with how well Virginia no, played. No, I'll, I'll agree. They, they responded but as when well your head as Virginia coach, could. when your head coach, Bronco Mendenhall for Virginia, comes out and says, yeah, there are such things as moral victories because, yeah, okay. because Florida's light years ahead of us as a program, like, okay, like, that, pretty, lost. that pretty much takes the wind out of my sails as a fan right there anyway, so... You can think that, but I don't necessarily want to hear it. And they did go and play well, so they kind of saved face in that regard. But, yeah, New Year's Six, bit of a letdown. Bowl game season overall I thought was fine. Nothing nothing, nothing to phone yeah, home about. Right. But, yeah, a few good bowl games, a few good matchups. But, overall, the best team in the country won the national championship. Nope. And, no, no uh, 
Oregon, Wisconsin, very successful Rose Bowl. I was happy to see Oregon. I was happy to see Justin Herbert grow out on a positive note. Although I always love to see Paul Christ and, and that Wisconsin team winning big games, but just yeah. looks like a badger. He really he does. does. He looks like a he looks like a badger. He looks like a lumberjack. Also, that's true. He's got lots of stuff. Lots of stuff going on. Well, how about our chips in that bowl game? That was yeah. I don't want to talk about one of the CMU. first bowl games of the year. One of the first bowl games of the year, and we got to see down to San, San Diego, Diego State, State Aztecs. Wow. Yeah, Mollywop, our Central Michigan chip was. Yeah, that was uh, a battle of the indigenous people, if you will. Yeah, uh, Aztecs a- and Chippewas. And it uh, is. yeah, they they conquered our land to to to, to put it mildly. That was a, a domination from the get go. Really, it was the. It was the key moment when I knew it was all beyond hope when there was right down in the goal line, we threw an interception like right before we're about to score and get back in the game. You know what I'm talking about. It was at the end of half, and and yes, I I know exactly what you're talking about because there was a receiver wide open. That's when I lost it. And I I yelled at the TV. I saw that he was wide open. I thought Quentin Dormady was going to go to him, and he threw over the middle to a tight end. Looked like he had predetermined where he was going to go with the football. Threw a pick and essentially sealed CMU's fate before the first half even ended. So. I guess the only positive you can take away from the end of the season is we do have Jim McElwain back in Mount Pleasant. Uh, Which we do, yeah. The god, god among men around this around this town. And frankly, and I, quite frankly, if I don't get a 12-0 season next year in a New Year's Six Bowl game, I'm going to be a little upset. T- you ready? Hot take. Hot take? Hot take. We're going to a New Year's Six next year. We're going to. 12-0. and we listen, play, listen. We play Nebraska and Northwestern, the two winnable games. Two winnable but good resume builders for a, a group of five team. Yes. Name one other group of five team that's better than Central next year. I mean, I, I, I can, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I can't hear that. I don't want to play that game because I could do it. Uh, <laughs> not the, <laughs> the NCAA, not the only football going on um, that we've seen. The NFL playoffs are heating up, and for all our NFL fans out there, Let's talk about it because there have been plenty of interesting storylines. The NFL playoffs have been fantastic oh, so far. Yeah. Where, wherever the bowl season was lacking, NFL the playoffs, NFL playoffs have more than made up for it. We've seen fantastic, fantastic matchups so far, and we're already into the NFC and AFC championship it's games, flying. which is hard to believe. And uh, a couple of teams that we certainly did not expect to be there, it's namely the Titans, who we're looking at right it's now. The real storyline of the NFL. Yeah, and they have they they've single handedly. Everybody loves a good upset story, and we've seen them take out perhaps the two most dangerous teams in the AFC and march their way all the way. And now they get to play probably one of the top three most dangerous teams in the AFC in the Kansas City Chiefs. So lots of storylines. Where do you even want to start on this one? I mean, really, if you're talking about the Titans, they kind of took a look at this new age offense that's taking the league by storm, you know, high-flying air raid type of thing, and they basically said, screw yourself, we have Derrick Henry, and we're just going to pound the rock at you. And it's worked so well for them in this playoff. It's kind of hard to even really understand why they went 9-7. and seven. I guess that you can, you know, say that players like Because they're Derrick- the Titans. They're Titans. If they were to play, if they were to play 5,000 games, they would end 2,500 and 2,500. That's right. just how they are. You can say, yeah, Derrick Henry, it, it all depends on what he does. So if he has an off night, they're not going to do as well. If he is doing what he's doing right now, Obviously, they're going to be winning It's all about games. peaking at the right time. It is, and frankly, they are. Going back to their offense, so yeah, I just want to call it like it is. Mark or Mike Vrabel runs that team like a caveman. <laughs> so he's going to throw his biggest – he's going to take his biggest specimen and he's going to put him – he's going to put the ball in his hand. It's like fifth, sixth grade football where you have that kid that hit puberty early and he's going to – he's the 250-pound. He, he plays defensive line and running back. <laughs> yep. And you're going to hand him the football and let him run 40 times a game. 
That's exactly what Mike Vrabel's doing, except it's at the NFL level, and we're seeing it on the biggest stage, and it's freaking working, which yeah, is it's unbelievable to see. Which is absolutely unbelievable. It's the antithesis of everything else we're seeing in the NFL. They're, like, going in reverse, but it's working. Yeah. And honestly, I, I did not realize this, but I thought that they were getting this done with time of possession. I thought that they were just bleeding out clock, but they're not. They're they're 28th in the league in time of possession. Because they're averaging, like, eight yards a carry. Yeah, no shit. And, yeah, and, and, and even in the playoffs, they're 10th best, and it's like you said, it's because Derrick Henry is so dominant. He's getting so many yards on each carry that they don't need to bleed out the clock. Ryan Tannehill has thrown for less than 100 yards <laughs> yes. in the last two games. And honestly, and he's being praised because they're winning. Like Ryan Tannehill, people are saying, wow, what a resurgence for Ryan Tannehill. He's thrown for like freaking 85 yards in the last two games. Yeah. And he's a game manager to the highest order. If I'm a Titans fan, that comforts me so much because that means that we aren't bleeding clock right now, but we have the ability to. Our offense is built for that. So if the Titans gain any sort of lead, like if they're in double-digit leads, my my chances that I give the Titans are shooting through the roof if they have any sort of lead against the Chiefs. I don't think you're not going to see a Texan situation from last week where the Texans were up 24 nothing on the Chiefs and then blew it. You're just not going to see that this week. If the if the Titans gain even half that lead, I think it's over. Really? I do. I do. I think. What is that? 20, Twelve? If they have a twelve-point lead, I think it's over. Quick math. Uh, can we talk about how bad Bill O'Brien is in a, as an NFL head coach? That is. Oh god. He is. He is unbelievably bad at his Should've job. Should have stuck at Penn State, buddy. I'm he sorry. is unbelievably bad at his job. <laughs> like, how do you to have a twenty-four-point lead and run a fake punt? A fake punt when you're playing Patrick Mahomes in in like one of the most dynamic offenses in the entire league. And you run a fake punt to give them an opportunity to get back in the football game. I can't stress enough how bad Bill O'Brien is at situational football. It's unbelievable. That is, yeah. It's unbelievable. It, we're about to see two. The Texans did not belong to be in that game. And I guess you could make an argument that the Titans don't either. But they got hot at the right time. So we're seeing Chiefs, Titans, Packers, 49ers. What would be your ideal Super Bowl matchup from those four teams? Well, I mean, frankly, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't cheer for the Titans at this point. I just I want to see what happens. I, I can't wait to see what happens next with the Titans. Um, and, and I'm interested to see how uh, the Packers, or I'm sorry, the 49ers would fit in with that matchup against the Titans because Kyle Shanahan is literally the poster boy for you know this new style of offense that we're seeing in the NFL he uses a, a an absolute load of motion flying around all the time he does incorporate some of that fullback uh, offense but it's it's innovation at its peak and then again back to Mike Mike Vrabel's Titans who are just old school grind the rock that would be a fascinating matchup to me well I think the better part of that matchup would be the defensive line of the 49ers going up against Derrick Henry no kidding and just the the capability of that defense like that's unbelievable yeah so that would be an incredible matchup if I had deep down inside I want to see the Chiefs play because I want to see Patrick Mahomes at the I want to see Andy Reid succeed. Like, is that too much to ask? Like, I just want to see. He, he yeah, he's is, a man. Is of Andy Reid? If Andy Reid doesn't get it done this year, is Andy Reid canceled? Like, are we canceling Andy Reid? <laughs> we might have to. Honestly, we might have to. It's his time. Like that man. It, I don't know why, but it just seems like he suffered. Like he, every time I look at him, like he's been that's sitting a in football man. purgatory for like three decades. Like he's, he, he's like it's his time. Just above Jed Fish level, like just above that five hundred mark every year. You know, like he obviously he's doing better than five hundred every year, but it just seems like he it can't. just. Seems like he cannot. Yeah, like uh, it's his time. 
I've loved the Titans storyline, but I, I'm rooting for Andy Reid, and I'm rooting for the, the Chiefs at this point because I, I just want to see Andy Reid get one. Like, I want to see him succeed at this level for for the love of God, just one time. No kidding. I, I have to add this um, a little bit back off to, back to the Titans. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this. I was thinking about it earlier today, and this Titans team reminds me – Quite a bit of the 2012 Ravens, if you'll harken back to those days. Oh, I will harken back to those days. You know, they were kind of written off. They were not really a contender in terms of the Super Bowl. I think they were the fourth seed, something like that. Uh, They ended up beating Peyton Manning's Broncos and then through Brady's Patriots and ended up beating uh, Jim Harbaugh in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, the the similarities The Jacoby Jones, the Jacoby Jones... uh, the touchdown return, kickoff return for a touchdown, that is yep. going to be one of the greatest yep. NFL moments of all time. They had an average quarterback in Joe Flacco, nothing flashy, kind let's, of like let's Ryan beat, Let's go easy on Flacco, okay? He's elite. He's terrible. I'm, I'm like, now he's terrible. Back then he was average. Average is the best I'm going to give him. Uh, but I, I don't know. The, the similarities were just kind of jumping off the page to me, and maybe we could see that sort of run again with the Titans. We already have seen it to a degree, so. Will this be the greatest single playoff run of all time if the Titans go through the Patriots, the Ravens, and the Chiefs to get to the Super Bowl? I mean, I don't know how you could say otherwise, especially if it was the 49ers that they beat in the Super Bowl. Like, they I think they're the sixth seed, right? They are. Yeah, so to, to beat – the Ravens, who are you know arguably the best team in football, with the MVP, they beat the Patriots, who have Brady and are the Patriots. Like, come on, to beat the Chiefs, who are the most innovative and efficient offense in the NFL, and then beat the rising star in the 49ers. That would be incredible with an archaic offense. Give me some of that. Put that right in my veins, right here. That would be awesome. Can we please get a little bit of Marcus Mariota triple option in the Super Bowl if they make yeah, it there? Okay. Like Can we a, please? How about how about a uh, very similar to the Ravens with Robert Griffin III, Lamar Jackson, and Mark Ingram? Let's have a the Heisman. Let's have a, a Ryan Tannehill running the point. Yep. And then you got Mariota and Derrick Henry. If they pulled that out to win the Super Bowl on the goal line, I think I could die in peace. Yeah, that's everything I've ever wanted. Exactly. Second half coming up next. This is the Trial Run Podcast. Second half starting now. This is the Trial Run Podcast, and your boy Brennan Bevins is going to take it away with this week in history, and he's got an absolute doozy, so take it away. Oh, you could say that again. We're going to take you all the way back to 1861, where the first ever flush toilet was patented by, and I'm not making this up, Mr. Thomas Crapper. I shit you not, Nate. I bet he got a crap ton of money from that. He probably dumped it all at the casino trying to get a royal flush, and after he got the patent, he probably said, let's get this potty started. God, I hate you so much. <laughs> I didn't know. I, I actually don't. I can't even begin to on to to describe to you how disappointed I am <laughs> in everything that just came out of your mouth because I had no idea any of that was coming. He's been talking about how he had all of this knowledge and all this all this stuff that he needed to say in regard to the, this week in history. I'm just a plethora. I'm a fountain of 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 intellect. something of yes. That that's not the word I had coming into my mind, but. <laughs> We'll call it that. And uh, speaking of shit hitting the fan. Oh, nice. Major, that, is, that is top five segues of all Major time. League Baseball. Can we talk about it? Because. The, oh, my gosh. This, wow. is, this is unbelievable. The, the Houston Astros, dude, what is happening? What is. I don't know. 
the OBJ move over. That scandal is nothing in comparison. Yeah, to OBJ getting arrested. That was just a cup of coffee this week. Like that was absolutely <laughs> nothing. That we. This is Major League Baseball and the Houston Astros. It would appear they've done a little bit of cheating. It, it is. It would appear, if I was to put it lightly, they have done a bad thing. This is like that's you know that's up in the air. This is something where the. With every detail that comes out on the story, it gets worse and worse. With with TVs in the locker room, with hidden camera guys like in center field stealing signs, with Jose Altuve having a buzzer on inside his jersey allegedly that, that buzzes on off speed pitches, to the video that came out of him after hitting a walk off home run in the in the ALCS game six, to him grabbing physically grabbing his jersey to make sure his teammates didn't rip it off of him. I don't even know where to begin with this because from at the very beginning when I heard that they cheated and I heard that they were stealing signs, my initial reaction was, it happens all the time. I don't care. It happens all no the time. Kidding. Keep moving. Keep it. Like, don't even put this in my news stream. I don't care. Immediately after that, when I found out that it was TVs in the dugout, that it was, you know, it was this big elaborate scheme, banging on trash cans. <laughs> like The it, memes are beautiful. The, the memes have been unbelievable. It, it almost made me laugh, but I'm like, okay, maybe a punishment is warranted. Take away some draft picks, find the team, whatever you got to do. And then I hear that it is essentially rampant within that organization. Again, that, allegedly, though. That it is all it's the way alleged. up to the top. That it That it's the top level of management and that it's the players involved, that everybody's involved. And that I then I hear the thing about – um, them directly relaying signs to the buzzer and everything else, and all of a sudden the hammer gets dropped. You see Rob Manfred drop down a year suspension on Alex Cora, and I believe on the Astros general manager whose name I don't know. Carlos Beltran. Yep. And uh, I don't. Or you that, said the, outro, I, I the, you said the general the manager, and then Carlos Beltran is somewhere in the wash also. Yeah, and for the Mets, that's that, that's a bummer for the Mets. Yeah, which is a bummer because he never actually coached a game they or managed they, a game. They can't catch a freaking break. Yeah, they can't catch. That's yeah, that's a top a topic of conversation for the different day. But then I see the hammer get dropped on them, millions of dollars of fines. It costs a couple people their jobs. And the, the snowball effect of this just keeps going because you see it going up into the Red Sox organization with, with Alex Cora being there. Yep. And everything that has happened. It's affecting teams all across the league. It has completely swung my opinion on this. To now, I see people on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, everything saying, take away the Astros' rings. Okay, but... And I'm all. It, it, it's not. It, that means nothing. It, it, means like, it nothing. means nothing. It means nothing because they accomplished what they accomplished, and it would be essentially the same as the NCAA vacating wins. I say that in quotation marks. Vacating wins. Everybody knows they won the games. Right. But at some point, where does the line get drawn on this? Because it seems to me that if everything that we've seen, if you take it at face value, if that is not warranted, if that is not direct cheating that affects the impact of a game, and that should be punished accordingly then what is like what what are we doing here and I, I hate being that guy because I never like to to jump to the instantaneous conclusion of oh well, they're cheating so let's just take away everything they've ever accomplished because it really does nothing I just don't understand how in that sport when everybody when baseball is such a traditionalist sport 
when you don't let people into the Hall of Fame because they allegedly cheated, when you got Pete Rose being freaking banished right. for I betting. I was about to bring that up. And when you get Pete Rose being banished from the entire league. You're going to tell me what Pete Rose did was worse That's than what, what I'm saying doing? because it, Pete Rose, like, that doesn't even directly affect the impact. This directly impacted the effect of a World Series, of yeah. a championship, of contract bonuses, of people getting signed. This is people's lives. This is people's it, livelihood. People can say it's just a game, but it is at this point, it is so much more than that. It is livelihoods that People, stay. I mean, what, what happens? People get fired. Pitchers get cut because Jose Altuve is walking up and hitting four freaking hundred whenever against some pitcher who just got his first chance from the double A and all of a sudden he's sent back down and there goes that dude's livelihood right. like Sia and I also this is perhaps the most damning stat I've seen and it's from I believe it was from Jose Altuve who is by and large their best player and in that championship season he hit something like 440 on the road or excuse me at home in Houston, and on the road, he hit like a buck eighty. Yeah, no, yeah, the I dis- wonder why that the, is. The, the discrepancy in that of, of knowing what pitch is coming and, and cheating—it it just leaves like a sour taste in my mouth. And I hate to be that guy, like I said, but I, I just don't even know how to react to something like this. On the flip side, on the flip side, say you're that organization, and no more repercussions come from this. So you, you're, you're the general manager. You lose. Two first-round draft picks coming up. You're fined five million, and you and your manager are suspended for a year. Say, say you don't get fired yet. Are are you not going to do that? Are you not going to do that? If I'd I was do to, that. If you were to trade it all for a championship, right? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. If I'm a general manager, I'm like hell yeah. I mean, obviously is, at this point, this is assuming I'm a corrupt human being in the first place. So I'm not worried about morals here. I'm worried about would I take that punishment for a championship? And the answer is hell yes, I would. That is. That is nothing. Any team would do that. I think you would. I, I think most people would be disgusted, or at the very least, surprised to what lengths a lot of these organizations no would kidding. go to win a championship. I'm a Detroit sports fan. Do you know how? Do you know the <laughs> lengths that I would go to get any sort of championship in that city right now? I saw a- any sort of one. I saw a stat from the 2019 season of every single one of the uh, sports teams that we have in Detroit. So among all cities that have the big four, hockey, football, basketball, and baseball, Detroit had not only the worst combined record among those, they had the worst combined record among those four teams of all time of any city. That's not even the least bit surprising. Like of all th- I, I can't even... Why did we start this podcast? Uh, I don't. How yeah. will we start this podcast when we actually have a team uh, that can I win? Can't, like, I can't like. This is so off base, but I saw something on Twitter the other day that was like, "I'm sorry, we needed this rant." Yeah, so. I need this rant really quick. It, it was. I saw something on Twitter, and it was a video of Cantavius Caldwell Pope getting a dunk against the Cavaliers in the 2016 playoffs, the year that the Cavaliers won the NBA Finals, and the caption was, "This is the highlight of Detroit basketball in the 2010s." The Pistons got swept in that series. The Pistons <laughs> got that. swept. And then I also saw a, a, like a reply tweet to that video that said, was this the most competitive swept series of all time? And I was like, is this really where we are in Detroit sports right now? That we're arguing for, oh, yeah, this was perhaps the best the best sweep of all time, the most competitive sweep of all time. Are you kidding me? <laughs> which it might have been, but who cares, dude? Like, honestly, who cares? We are just a completely inept sports city right now. And the fact that somebody actually had the audacity to wager that argument on my timeline, it oh, it had me absolutely fuming. Yeah, no, um, you couldn't have put that better. Yeah, no, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, no. 
Uh, yeah. So shady, shady situation in baseball to say the least. But again, back to our Detroit sports, we would never do something like this. We are the the cleanest no, the, of the clean. Yeah, the Tigers could never, and that's why we'll never freaking win anything. That's actually factual. Yeah. Final topic of conversation. Let's talk men's basketball. Can I, I talk about how in about nine hours I will be at a men's basketball practice? And, uh, oh, you're cool. Yeah, I know. Just you know, thought I'd throw that in there. Weird flex, but okay. This has been an absolutely insane season, and this is setting up for maybe one of the most elite March Madnesses we've ever seen in our I... entire lives. Top five teams have lost to unranked team 12 times already. 12 times. That's insane. There have already been six number one teams. Count them. One, two, three, four, five, six already. And as of Friday at noon, top 10 teams this year. You ready for this? I'm ready. They've lost 36 times. Top 10 can teams. We, can we just kind of like take a moment to realize the magnitude of that statement? I don't think people at home might grasp how ridiculous that is. 36 times. That's we not have, even for the top 25. That's for the top 10. So allegedly the 10 best teams in the country have lost 36 times combined already. We're not even into February yet. We're halfway through January. That I don't know the numbers throughout all the other seasons, but I doubt even 36 times that's happened in one season, let alone halfway through. Like maybe it's reached the 36 mark. I am, but I'm here for it. I love it. This is so much fun. This is everything. This is pent up aggression that was bottled up with the underwhelming performance of last year's tournament. And it has rolled over into the regular season, and we can only hope that it, it that it completely goes into March Madness because I want I want three 16s beating a one. I want I want freaking UC Irvine to go to the Final Four. Like I want I I'm here for it all. Like give me give me every single bit of the upsets. I if I had it my way. I would see not one single Power Five team in the Sweet 16. I just want 16, <laughs> 16 of your. Give me 16 of your finest group of five or whatever it's 16 called. Your finest. Give me 16 of your finest mid-major teams, and I'll take that and run with it because I, I'm, I'm so ready for it. I, I want to see. I want to see it all. I, I want to see everything. I would almost be willing to put a hundred dollars on no one. In all of the people who submit brackets, no one getting even the first round correct. You think so? I would not be surprised at all. Because it's going to... Okay. There's an element of randomness to that, though. See, the thing is, it watched all this setting up to be beautiful, and then the tournament is just beige. I'd be so mad. I mean, we had a beige that one last be year. Such, we can't have two beige ones That would in be a row. such a letdown. It really would. No, I think that we're going to see a fabulous, fabulous tournament. I am so excited there is so much mystery in terms of NCAA basketball right now. You you do not know on any given night, especially as a Big Ten fan right now. Not only the Big Ten, like look at the SEC, like right. look across the board, like it's I insane. Mean, basically, every game is a toss up at this point. I, I saw obviously since I'm a Michigan fan, I saw a stat: Michigan has two games remaining on their season, both home games, obviously, where they are. 75% likely to win. Every other game they play the rest of the season, they are less than 75%, and most of them are fi- are basically a coin flip. It's basically 50-50. That is incredible. I mean, if you think about that, they still have almost two-thirds of their schedule left, maybe a little less than that, and their, their games are a coin flip at this point. It's going to be really exciting to watch. There will be teams, I promise you on Selection Sunday, there will be like, there will be, high level teams that get selected 
that I'm just going to like completely forget about and be like, oh, wow, like they actually like made the tournament. Because there are teams like winning right now that I just feel as though have no business winning some of the games that they're winning. And they're going to sneak into the into the tournament and they're going to be like a nine. Like you'll get Minnesota in there as like a nine seed and it's going to be like, okay, so they beat Michigan. They beat our Central Michigan Chippewas. They have like a 500 record in the Big Ten, and then they're gonna make like a Final Four yeah. run. Like that's yeah, just no what, kidding. That's just what's gonna happen. And honestly, it's it's funny you bring up Selection Sunday for you know the average fan. Obviously, for you and I, Selection Sunday, we're always watching. Oh, it's a that. holiday. Yeah, it's we, an absolute exactly. holiday. We, we watch that, and, and I'm sure a lot of people do at home as well. But this year, I think Selection Sunday is gonna be must see TV because there's gonna be so much intrigue as to who those teams that are on the bubble because the bubble is going to be way different oh, gonna, than it usually the is. Bubble, the bubble the bubble is, is going to have like 50 teams. The bubble it. is going to be it's going to be every every single one of the 320 something teams is going to be on the bubble. Basically <laughs> at this point like, you're going to get you're going to get your conference champions and then literally everybody else is on the bubble because you just don't know. The one thing I'm I'm a little worried about with that the bubble being so large is I really hope that they don't favor the you know the the big conferences. You know the teams that are. I need my mid majors. Right, in there. exactly. So usually, at, at by the point by the time you get to the bubble, uh, you're you're getting teams that you have a, a good mix of you know high caliber teams versus the mid majors. But with so many teams in the bubble this year, I really hope that they just don't focus on those higher level teams that maybe don't have quite as good of a record as the mid-majors but because they play in a tougher conference they just get the nod i really hope that doesn't happen yeah you want to talk about parody how about our mid-american conference amen the mac i'm telling hey, you dude. look who's number one in the mac right now Tied i'm telling you yeah fire up chips we're baby. right at, we're on top of our division akron akron is very solid the final the, the last the last perfect team within the mac they're a solid program we're going to take them down. I'm calling you right now. We're going to take them down, and we're going to march our way right into March. Is that who we play tomorrow? That is not. We play Buffalo. Ah, but, well, but you won't be here anyway, so who cares? That is correct. I will not be in attendance. I've been in attendance for two games this year. Hopefully more to come. That's absolutely unbelievable. I, well, you know, what can you do? Time for Who's Your Daddy of the Week. Oh, I'd who love you got? You have the, maybe the most obvious Who's Your Daddy of the Week of all time. No, no, no. No, no, no. I don't. I have. I'm saying PFT Commenter is XFL's Daddy of the Week. We love a good podcast, and part of my take is just part of that. And uh, you know, PFT, I, I thought, I'd, thought I'd spruce it up for the folks at home because that man, you know, what? he can he, kick a football, right? If he makes that XFL roster, it has not been confirmed that he's been cut yet. I will be watching every single XFL game. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Yeah, for all of you who don't know, what we're talking about part of my take, another podcast on the many platforms that we are also on. Uh, he tried out for an XFL team, basically as a spoof, and he actually impressed a few people. No, he kicked pretty well. So, I mean, some some Twitter um, some Twitter users. This is a part of the XFL franchise out of uh, Washington D.C., and they kept a Twitter thread going of him kicking footballs. And he walked out there in his single bar helmet and goggles, and he gave that football a proper pounding. He put that boy through the uprights from like 35 yards or whatever it was, and he looked good doing it. And, uh, yeah, he's the Who's Your Daddy of the Week. What is the downside of the XFL signing that man to a contract? Because the clout that they would get within that fan base, which is a rampant fan base, the clout that they would get, it would pay dividends for their business, I would, I would think. Right. No, I agree. I think their only concern with that would be if he actually isn't good at all is that they don't want to make a joke of their league. They're trying to make it into a real thing. 
Uh, but that's neither here nor there. I People need to let, okay. Let's get real here. If you want to develop your league and make it the extra fun league you or whatever you want to call it, yeah. you need something, and that, that could is be it. That, that is that is that could be it. So a lot I, of people listen. To I would I would take a long hard look at that and, and think about everything. It's weigh all your options, XFL. That's all I'm saying. Pardon my take is probably the second best podcast in terms of sports. Obviously, right behind us. Right yeah, behind us. that's what I was exactly thinking. Uh, yeah, my Who's Your Daddy of the Week, this is actually the most obvious Amen Who's Your Daddy that. of the Week of all time. Joe Burrow is every man, woman, and child, dog, animal, <laughs> anything, cigar. He's everybody's daddy this week because that man is everything that any man has ever wanted to be. He's a national champion. He's uh, just a proven winner, and he is a dude. Go and, Tigers. And I can't wait to see him at the next level. <laughs> That's been it. That's done. Wow. First episode, second semester done. We're out of here. Beautiful, actually. Pretty well done. Well produced. Yeah. Well written. Chop- I wrote the whole script. Thank you for chopping up the beats, our boys in the studio. They do a fantabulous job. Yep. Everything we've ever wanted. Go Tigers. This has been the Trial Run Podcast. Yeah.